You're listening to A Playful Podcast, where I talk about everything from the wonders of messy play to stories from my wonderful but messy life. I'm Mariah, and I'm the creator of A Playful Purpose, Learning for Littles, and I'm so glad you found me. All right, let's get this party started. Hey everyone, welcome back to A Playful Podcast, episode two. Today's episode is all about potion play, but before we get started, let's do a weekly check-in. So we're coming off the long weekend, and even though it's a short week, I know that often these weeks feel longer than normal. So I'm hoping that by the time this podcast gets to you, it's Thursday, it's Thursday afternoon, it's almost Friday, you're looking forward to the weekend, and that your week went by as smoothly as possible for a long weekend week. It's definitely been a long week for me over here. Dave was on nights this week. He alternates week on week off of this. So he was gone from about 2.30 until 10.30 at night. And of course, Andrew just had the fussiest week he's had in a while. He's just crying a lot. And I find that this crying is super triggering for my postpartum anxiety. So it's been a long, hard week for me in terms of regulating myself. And as a result, there's been really high highs and really low lows. And I think that's par for the course with every season of life, but particularly this one while I navigate through the early stages of motherhood. But the lows have really been cemented by the fact that Dave hasn't been here to tag team out with me. The later in the day it gets, the fussier he gets, and the more tired I get. So it's kind of a a mismatch in terms of what he needs and what I'm able to really give him. This results in me rocking him for hours and singing Baby Beluga with a couple remixes in there until he's calm. So if anyone needs anyone to sing Baby Beluga to them, I know all of the words by heart and I would be happy to oblige. On the other end of the mood spectrum, I've been super motivated and super passionate about my latest project, which you've probably seen on Instagram, which is called Learn With Me Live. And basically I created it because in the summer I did a Learn With Me program on Instagram and it was all about sensory play, but Andrew had just been born, so it was all pre-recorded and I wasn't able to really engage with everyone one-on-one other than in the DMs. But now I really wanted to get that face-to-face element so that I could offer personalized support based on these topics that I feel I'm really knowledgeable about. The plan is that I'm offering five workshops. They're all different themes relevant to the Ontario kindergarten program, like the flow of the day, planning for inquiry, documenting and evaluating, behavior management, and outdoor education. And every single workshop is going to be capped at five educators so that I can share my personal experience and anecdotes for about 20 minutes. And then we're really going to dive into troubleshooting your problems that you're seeing day to day in your classroom. And this is really powerful because I'm not there with you. My perspective is going to be completely fresh and new, and I'll be able to listen to exactly what's going on in a safe space that's going to be completely confidential. And then I'll be able to offer you advice and practical solutions that when you leave the workshop, you're feeling energized, inspired, and ready to go back to work. As it stands right now on Thursday morning, we're about half full already, and I'm really, really excited to get this going. So make sure you grab your spot before they're all full. Other than that, this week in terms of a playful purpose, I've just been creating a couple new Halloween products. Can't stop, won't stop. I love Halloween. And just kind of doing some behind the scenes admin work, but nothing else too big other than, I guess, recording this podcast, which I'm doing right now. Basically, I'm still trying to figure out that perfect balance that I'm striving for between getting everything done that I want to get done and feeling productive and proud of myself at the end of the day, but also acknowledging that, of course, Andrew is my number one priority right now. And when I have to spend a day snuggling him because that's what he needs developmentally in that moment, that that is a productive and purposeful day. And truly what a privilege it is to be that safe person for him. So I'm really trying to change my mindset to just being grateful and filled with love instead of having any feelings of frustrations in those moments where he's clearly feeling frustrated. 
That's everything I had to say for my weekly update and check-in, and now we're ready to dive into today's topic, which is all about potion play. I'm just going to start by clarifying what I mean when I say potion play. So while sometimes this play will literally be the creation of potions and they're making magic spells, it doesn't have to be. It's just a kind of blanket term that I use to describe any sort of mixing and stirring and addition of elements together in a sensory bin. Whether they're doing science experiments, or they're making cakes out of mud, or they're truly making different potions, any sort of sensory play that involves pouring, stirring, mixing, adding elements together is what we're talking about in this episode. This could be happening at your mud kitchen outside, it could be happening at the kitchen sink, it could be happening in your water table. There's not really a limit to where this is happening, it's truly just the act of creating something new from whatever you've put out with that dramatic play element in it. Potion play could be the entire play, or it could just be a small part of a larger game. So for example, if they're playing fairies in the forest outside, and then as part of that play, they are creating some sort of mud kitchen recipe to go with their game, that would be included under the potion play umbrella, just as much as students who are gathered around the water table, and all they're doing is mixing and pouring and creating different sort of recipes. Now that we're on the same page about what I mean when I'm saying potion play, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about why you should really be embracing this type of play, even if it gets a little bit messy. Like all sensory play, the benefits for our littles is just incredible and something that I'm talking about all the time in my membership, in my courses, and I guess now on the podcast too. I always say that my top three reasons for my obsession with sensory play are number one, that it's so intuitive. This means that as soon as your littles approach the table, they know what to do and they can immediately start engaging with the materials at hand. This is really comforting for them, reduces behavior, and encourages them to play with other students that they've maybe never played with before. You don't need to explain how the center works or what the rules of the game are. They can truly just walk up to the table, start picking up elements and exploring them with their hands. My second reason is that it's developmentally appropriate across a wide range of abilities. And this is evident because you don't need to communicate orally in order to participate and engage with other students. The benefits of this are really seen when we have students who are really shy or who are of a lower level of communication or perhaps speak a different language, engaging with those that have a more advanced oral communication level. It can also be the first bridge between parallel play to truly working with another student and playing together. My third and final reason is that once you've established the rules and routines of how to use these supplies at the sensory table, it's really a self-directed center and you don't need to intervene to extend the play that much. Of course, you always can to extend the learning and when you're doing documenting, evaluating and all of that. But generally on a day-to-day basis, your littles are completely capable of starting up, engaging in and even cleaning up the play completely independently. If you haven't already embraced sensory and specifically potion play with your littles, I really hope that that little spiel about my top three reasons why I love it so much has encouraged you to give it a go. If the mess is really daunting to you, you can definitely take some steps to troubleshoot this by either putting a bin within a bin, playing directly in the bathtub if you're at home, or even doing it outside. A towel on the ground is also a great strategy, but most importantly, you really want to be modeling at first how to play appropriately with the materials, and then also when a mess is inevitably made, you want to be including your littles in the cleanup process to create that accountability and responsibility aspect. Inclusion really is the name of the game in terms of success with your sensory bins, and that's the next thing I want to talk to you about. With potion play, co-creation is truly the end goal. This is because we want to save ourselves time of setting up the materials and cleaning it up and assembling everything, and also we want to increase the engagement for our littles. And when they are the ones who are selecting the supplies, putting them together, bringing them outside, they are way more likely to engage with them for longer and to reduce the waste of these supplies as well. 
To do this, you're going to use a gradual release of responsibility model. So what that means is that for the first few times or days or weeks that you're introducing potion play, you're going to be the one to assemble materials and put them out for your littles. Then you're going to start bringing them into the process with you and together you're going to brainstorm, assemble, and put out everything that you're going to use for that day. During this time, you're going to think aloud so that they can start to understand the thought process that goes behind selecting materials. So this might mean that you're thinking aloud to them, oh, okay, so I want to put some water and I want to have dish soap to make bubbles with it, but I don't want to use too much because then I won't have any soap left for tomorrow. Thinking aloud like this might seem silly to you at first, but it's so beneficial to our littles because they can start to hear the connections that we make automatically in our brain, which helps them to learn how to make these connections themselves. This think aloud and gradual release of responsibility model is also the best way that you can teach them how to appropriately use the materials, how to reduce waste, and how to properly clean up when a mess is made. We'll talk more about managing mess in a later episode, but today I really want to focus on the meat and potatoes, which is potion play itself. My next tip is to have your basics ready to go in some sort of bin or wagon if you're going outside so that every day you just grab it and you're good to go. This is really going to help in the morning if you're feeling busy or rushed because a lot of the assembly and the scavenging for materials has already been done for you. It's also helpful because your littles will know what to expect because these basics are always there and they can depend on them. When they know what supplies are going to be available to them, this creates a level of comfort, something to look forward to, and it allows them to continue play from one day to the next. It also helps them continue to work on skills and to plan for play so they can take it in a new direction. The supplies that I like to have in my basics bin that's ready to go every day are really simple and things that you probably already have. And this is always the goal with any activities that I suggest to you because I don't want you to go out and have to spend a lot of money. I really want to emphasize that there's so much that can be done with everything that you already have on hand and that this in itself is a wonderful learning opportunity to show to your students because you're demonstrating problem solving and you're demonstrating innovation. To get specific, I like to have a variety of containers on hand and these can be containers that you maybe already have in your play kitchen, they could be recyclables, they could be glass containers if that's developmentally appropriate for your class. There's no right or wrong kind of container for potion play. And in fact, a mismatch is actually recommended because then you can be talking about volume, comparing sizes, and it allows them to be a little bit more fluid and creative in terms of what they're creating. In addition to those containers, having something for stirring is essential. So even just wooden spoons from the dollar store or branches if you're outside will do the trick. Those are the two things that you really need to have in order to inspire potion play. And the next couple things I'm going to list are just fun extras that I found my littles have really loved over the years. And all of these extras are great for reinforcing fine motor. So I'm talking about tongs, measuring cups, measuring spoons, all different kinds of mixing tools or spatulas, a mortar and pestle. One of those things that the word is totally escaping me. You use them to drain pasta. Why can't I think of what that's called? A strainer. There we got there. And funnels are also great additions that encourage them to work on those pouring skills. In my basic spin, I also just put in a bottle of dish soap. It's really cheap. You don't need a lot, but it goes a long way and it creates a really fun, bubbly, foamy element when all you need to do is put in a little bit of water. The last thing you want to think about in your everyday bin for potion play is the cleanup part. So maybe having a secondary bin that's filled with water that you're just going to use for rinsing, some rags for wiping down the surfaces, a little broom, things like that. They're going to encourage your students to independently clean up once the play is done. 
And just as an aside, I'm going to use students and littles interchangeably, but if you're a parent at home listening, just know that it applies exactly the same way to you as it does to a classroom teacher who's thinking about 30 plus kids. That's everything that's going to go in your daily bin that's ready to go and you just bring it out with you whether you're playing outside or whether you're playing in a specific area of the house or of your classroom. All that's left to do is assemble what I like to call your daily supplies. And I call them daily because these are things that we are only going to put out once per day. That means that even if it gets completely used up, we're not constantly replenishing our supply load. And this is for a couple reasons. Primarily, we don't want to be creating this precedent that there's always an unlimited amount of supplies. This is not financially responsible, environmentally responsible, or realistic for the real world. This helps them work on conservation skills and also fine motor because they're not going to go over and dump out the entire container. This could be a learning curve for your littles and it might take them a little while. The first couple times you do potion play, they could use up all of the special daily supplies within the first five minutes and that's okay. Take it as a learning moment and think aloud to them like we talked about earlier about what they can do tomorrow to make these supplies last longer. And honestly, I found it extremely effective to just be upfront with them and say, you know, we have a limited amount of this and if we want to use it more than one day, we have to be careful about how we use it. Eventually, you will see a drastic reduction in waste and you'll see an extension of how much time they're able to use those special daily supplies. In the interim, while they're working on these skills, you might be thinking, well, what happens when all those special daily supplies are used up? And I want to reassure you that the play will continue even when they've run out of the shaving cream you've put out for that day. And that's because they'll be so invested and engaged in their play that often I've experienced them being extremely resourceful and figuring out how they can continue to use supplies or add in their own to keep the play going. This is one of the reasons why I love doing potion play outside because there are so many natural elements that they can collect for themselves in order to keep that play going. They can just use puddle water, grass, leaves, sticks, rocks, everything like that is readily available to them and they know that they can advocate for themselves and grab it for their play. Of course, it's totally up to you if you do decide that you want to replenish the supplies more than once in one day. And I have definitely done this. If the play is really meaningful and they're engaged and they've been playing with it intentionally and well, but it gets used up, that's completely different than if the supplies are being wasted from what I've been seeing with their behavior. It's definitely still an opportunity to discuss with them how to use supplies and discuss with them the kind of learning and the play that they're doing so that you can reinforce these positive expectations that we're seeing with the play that they're engaging in. These kind of special supplies that I'm talking about are not anything out of the ordinary and basically you can get all of them in your supply cupboard or in your kitchen pantry that you already have. I'm talking about shaving cream, coloring water with just food coloring, getting biodegradable glitter, using some vinegar and baking soda to have that incredible reaction. I've put out citrus fruit before and that was super popular and even just bringing out any of your regular loose parts are all amazing ways to spice up your potion play. Some of my favorite potion play experiences with my littles have been just including artificial flowers in colored water with soap. They will make these flower potions for hours, and I am not being dramatic when I say that. Other favorites include the classic Halloween potion bin where I just throw all of my loose parts into orange colored water. And also I love, love, love bringing out citrus. It adds a whole other layer of sensory play. And when you add baking soda to that, it has an amazing chemical reaction. 
So again, none of these things are really crazy, hard to come by supplies. You probably already have them and it just goes to show that you don't need to do a lot to get a lot out of your play. Just bringing out a couple of these items along with your basic bin that you've assembled is going to inspire really amazing and long lasting play with your littles. I also keep saying bring out because in my mind you're doing this for outdoor education because that is exactly how I did it with my kinders. We always started the day with an hour of outdoor learning and I would bring out potion supplies almost every single morning because they just loved it so much. But that being said, the same things apply when you're playing in the classroom or at home and we also definitely did lots of potion play at the water table inside. I'm just going to do a little plug here for my outdoor education workshop because if you want to learn more about the different things that we did in that first hour of the day, you should definitely sign up. As it stands right now, there's only two spots left for this round of Learn With Me. So if you're listening, pause the podcast, go sign up, and then come back. To circle back to what we talked about at the beginning about how co-creation is so important to encouraging the success of your potion play. When you're assembling these special daily supplies, that is a prime opportunity for including your littles. You can do it the day before if you want to have everything ready to go for the morning where you're getting together and you're brainstorming the kind of supplies you can bring out and the kinds of play that they're going to use with those materials. This helps them start bridging those connections when they're thinking about, okay, what do I want and why and how I'm going to use it? It also really helps get them excited for learning right away the next morning, which is particularly helpful if you have any friends who are a little bit shy or a little bit more emotional in the morning when they're saying bye to mom and dad. Your littles can do almost everything other than reach for some of the supplies that might be higher up in the cupboard. They can certainly fill the water, they can make the bubbles with a whisk, they can carry the supplies to the bin, they can definitely clean up the messes that are happening. And the more and more we work toward having this be a completely littles-led activity, the less you have to do, which frees you up to do the hundred million tasks that you have on your plate. If you're looking for specific setup inspiration for your potion play, definitely check out my Instagram account, A Playful Purpose, because I post sensory ideas and potion play ideas all the time. For this podcast teaser on my Instagram, I'm going to do a kind of a roundup of a bunch of different ideas that you can do. So make sure you save that post because then you can refer back to it the next time you're kind of in a slump for your potion play and need a little bit of inspo. I'm just going to end off with this kind of final statement that the reason I call this type of play potion play is that even if they aren't making magical potions and spells, it truly is so engaging that it feels magical. And I hope that this podcast inspired you to maybe change up your outdoor education routine or change up what's in your sensory bin to include potion play, because I think you're going to be delightfully surprised at how much your littles love it. And that brings us to the end of this episode of A Playful Podcast. Make sure you hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening to so you don't miss the next episode. And until then, sparkle and shine.